Hello and welcome to the Diction Police. I'm your host, Ellen Rissinger, an American vocal coach accompanist on the music staff of the Zemperoper in Dresden, Germany. This week, we're back on Italian diction with early music expert Andrea Marchiol. We work through the texts to Cleopatra's Piangerò from Handel's Giulio Cesare and La Musica's prologue to Monteverdi's L'Orfeo, concentrating on double and single consonants, open and closed E's and O's, as usual, as well as talking a little bit more about recitatives. You know that I'm always on the lookout for free ways to practice foreign languages or to find translations, so I thought I'd pass along a few resources this week. I'd already mentioned Project Gutenberg and told you that they have audiobooks. Well, I finally downloaded a few, and it turns out that they do it through a website called LibreVox. Of course, being the language geek that I am, what I love best about it is that I can download things like The Count of Monte Cristo in French and listen to it in the original language. It's a great resource to listen to the cadence of a foreign language. I may not understand every word of it, but I do enjoy trying to pick out what I can understand, and when I get really ambitious, I look up the text on Project Gutenberg and follow along. They also are always looking for volunteers to record classic literature that's in the public domain, so if anyone's looking to practice their own diction, it's a great way to help out a worthy cause, especially because most of us have the recording equipment to be able to do it. And for translating purposes, there's dict.cc, an online dictionary that relies on volunteers and readers to post translations. It doesn't have phonetics, which is obviously something that I always look for, but it does have sound bites with spoken words, plus a vocabulary training flashcard program and a pocket dictionary program that's available on Pocket Internet Explorer. And my favorite way to practice languages is, of course, watching television. <laughs> Next time you pop in your favorite DVD, try switching the audio to French. And when you buy DVDs, specifically look for the ones that have audio and subtitle tracks in foreign languages. Being the TV junkie that I am, I figure I'm going to watch it anyway, so I may as well learn something at the same time. I'll post a link to these resources and our texts for today at the blog at www.thedictionpolice.com. Don't forget the the. Our first text today is probably one of the most famous soprano arias that exists, Piangerò from Handel's Giulio Cesare. What most people don't realize is that Cleopatra has six or seven arias in this opera. The role of Cleopatra was created by Italian soprano Francesca Cuzzoni, for whom Handel created nine roles during her tenure at his Royal Academy of Music. Eppur così in un giorno perdo fasti e grandezze, ai, fato rio, Cesare, il mio bel nome, è forse estinto. Cornelia e Sesto inermi son, ne sanno dammi soccorso. Oddio, non resta alcuna speme, al viver mio, piangerò la sorte mia, si crudele e tanto ria, finché vita in petto avrò, ma poi morta d'ogni intorno, il tiranno è notte e giorno, fatta spettro agiterò. That was Andrea Marchiol reading Piangerò from Handel's Giulio Cesare, and we started off talking about what problems foreigners have in singing in Italian as it relates to this text. The problem, I mean, especially for German singers, is the mm -hmm. doubling of one one consonant before one accent. Okay. For instance, here in these cases, piangerò, ninety-nine times on 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 hundred, it's 
piangerò. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> or, or agiterò. And everybody doubles everything then. And then, yeah, yeah. Or, or it comes as well, agiterò. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just the moving, the moving uh, as- accents. The, the accent mark over that O, it makes it, it makes it the stress syllable of the word, right? For, uh, for example? For example, you wouldn't say piangerò, you'd say piangerò here. You would yeah, have, of course, course I mean, the, the, the accent is on exactly. the last. Exactly, so you, the you'd, last. you'd land on that. Yeah, the, 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 the direction. Yeah. yeah. So what about the vowels in front of a double consonant? Can we know whether it's an open vowel or a closed vowel if there's a double consonant after it? Mm. No, no, I, I, I don't think we have really um, a fixed uh, rule for the, the opening or, or closing consonants. Yeah. You know? I mean, for instance, here you, you wrote um, grandezza. This is grandezza is closed. Mm-hmm. And our spectro is open but with, without without sign yeah. i mean i really don't know exactly i, I don't think we have a rule for, 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 for that yeah i think we just have to look them up every time they come up and just yeah. or know them as they come up okay i i ask every italian about the word c-o-s-i with an with an accent mark because according to the rules it's così and if you ask a tuscan they will say così would you say così or così i say così but as well it i think it's right, say, così, huh? mm-hmm. but wie gesagt, yeah? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it depends on, on, on which part of Italy, if, if you go on the south, yeah, Toscana and then Umbria, uh, Lazio, so Rome and then Naples and so, yeah. the S in this case is S, really S, yeah. nicht Z, also così, yeah. but it's true that in the, in the northern part of Italy, Everybody say così. Yeah. Okay, the other thing I thought I would ask you about is an R in after an E or an O. Because it sometimes, the, when the R is after it, in, in some languages you can always sort of guess that it's going to be an open E eh because there's an R after it. French, you can really open the vowels when there's an R after it. But in Italian, here again, we probably can't really know whether the, whether the R is going to open or close the vowel, can we? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> no? No. No, no. I mean, I have I, 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 a very good friend, which comes from Isola Delba, mm-hmm. which um, she's uh, deeply working in, in, in this uh, uh, subject, I mean, for, for the Italian language, for, for the ancient Italian, especially. Huh? Uh-huh. But she's discovering a lot of things, um, honestly, say, but um, I don't think that we have really a, a specific... Um, a rule for, for, for every every case in, or inermi perdo a giorno if, if, you, if you think about that it's giorno or soccorso or sor, sorte sorte yeah. is a little more open then yeah yeah but we, we, without any kind of indication of, of uh, accents or whatever yeah exactly intorno but we have no, no, indica- no accents. Yeah, there's yeah. no accent markings on but it. But in French, we have to open yeah. or close. Accent yeah. grave, accent aigu. Yeah. But in Italian, we have that. Nope. But when they come, okay, this is my question with the accents. When they do come in Italian, like we have the agitero, agitero, avro, do, do they affect the, the, the way you pronounce that vowel then? When we have one accent, the, the land point is 
the accent. And in, in any in any situation, no, in all in all situations, in, in all situations, mm -hmm. the the landing point is the accent. Yeah. So finché verrò, partirò, andrò, nuoterò, or whatever. Yeah. The 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 accent is the landing point. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the same with così. Yeah. Right. And I guess because we we've said all that now we also have SI with an accent. Now is there a difference between SI with an accent and an SI without an accent? Es ist così. Also in, in this case si crudele it means così crudele. Okay. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And it's not an one affirmative so si right. or yes or no. Mm -hmm. But it's so cruel. Yeah. Yes yeah, così. It's a poetic form. To, to write così. Okay, and no. if we see it without the accent in front of a verb, then it's the reflexive form, right? Then it doesn't has nothing to do with yes or così. Nothing to do, yeah, right. Okay. In German, we talk a lot about double consonants opening that preceding vowel. And I wanted to make the point here that in Italian, double consonants still don't tell us whether the E or O is open or closed. There are no rules. It's simply something that we all have to look up and learn. We can have notte, but sotto, grandezza, but mezzo. This is something that I run across often in Germany, and in some strange ways. Not only do Germans want to apply this to E's and O's, but they also want to open the letter I, especially in the word vittoria. This is something that there is a hard and fast rule about. There is absolutely no open I in Italian. There is no I. The letter I will always be E, the phonetic lowercase i. The only exception to this rule is when it functions as a j-glide, vittoria, which is also a sort of closed i sound. And notice that the word si here, with an accent, Andrea said is short for così. You'll see this word si, si, both with and without an accent. If it doesn't have an accent, then it's the third person pronoun, both singular and plural, just like when we ask, how do you say this? Come si dice? If it does have an accent, then there are two choices. Often, it'll just be the word for yes, and generally then, it'll have a comma or an exclamation point after it. But in a case where it comes directly before an adjective and without a comma, it's probably this shortened version of così, meaning so. In this case, si crudele, so cruel. Our second text today is La Musica's prologue from Monteverdi's L'Orfeo, one of the very first operas, and certainly one of the earliest to still be in the standard repertoire. Composed to a libretto by Alessandro Striggio, it received its first performance in February of 1607. Dal mio permesso amato a voi ne vegno, ingliti eroi, sangue gentili de regi, di cui narra la fama e celsi pregi, ne giunge al ver perché troppalto è il segno. Io la musica son, che ai dolci accenti so far tranquillo ogni turbato core, e tor di nobil ira e tor d'amore possi infiammar le più gelate menti. Io su cetera d'or cantando soglio, mortal orecchio lusingar talora, e in questa guisa all'armonia sonora della lira del ciel più l'alme invoglio. Quinci a dirvi d'Orfeo desio mi sprona, d'Orfeo che trasse al suo cantar le fere, e servo fe l'inferno a sua preghiere, gloria immortal dipindo e dericona. 
or mentre i canti alterno or lieti or mesti non si mova ugellin fra queste piante né soda in queste rive onda sonante e togna auretta in suo cammin s'arresti that was Andrea Marchiol reading the prologue from L'Orfeo first of all the word et which is the latin word for and right so we don't use anymore mm -hmm. et is it it's it's uh, ed so we would mm -hmm. say a d nowadays instead yeah. of the t yeah we find this this um, ancient language until i would say middle of 18th century in the librettos in the, the cantatas in the yeah? yeah it comes from from latin but we don't use it anymore. Okay. So it is a poetic form. And so when you coach someone to sing this, do you have them st still sing et with a T? No. Or, or do you sing it in, in, in For this music, of course. Okay. And I push because I think it's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I try to stay, to remain in, in as much as possible very uh, close to the language. To so the, the original, the, the original. original. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For Monteverdi, in, in, in special situations, we, we can find a lot of words that today um, we say with, with the double consonants. But we have to think about that the fact that Monteverdi was living in Venice. And the, the language in, in Venice, still today, they, they live out, they, they give up a lot of con double consonants. Yeah. Yeah? So it, it's a part of, of, the, of this link. The language in yeah. Venice, even today. Mm -hmm. Right here in the first line, we have a word that I didn't recognize, and I immediately said to you, I see Venio, and I want to say Vengo. But it's not that, right? It is Venio. This is right, yeah. It's just a really uh, very high poetical form. Because of the, of the rhyme, of the, of the mm -hmm. verse, so Venio, Segno, so I mean from, from, from the rhyme. From the rhyme, from exactly. The rhyme, yeah. Exactly. But does it? St but it still means the same thing as vengo, right? It still comes from venire. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we just have to notice that it's not really, it's not a typo, but it comes from no, the same place. No, no, no. It's place. the same word. It's the same meaning. It's the same, exactly yeah. the same. Yeah. Well, and since we talked about that with the G and moving the G in the wrong place, why don't we talk about G's? Because, like I said, we talk in this podcast a lot about the fact that G I and G E becomes a J sound, and then we talk about the H coming in between it and making it a hard G. But what we don't talk about a lot is the the combination of G-U. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, because in, in Spanish, G-U is the same thing as G-H is in Italian. Yeah. In, in, in this case, the, the rule is that um, in Italian, the G, the only case where the G is really G, not G, it's only with, with one uh, I after. Yeah. The only case. Because if the G it's alone or with a U after, mm -hmm. it, it's it's um, strong G. Yeah. It's gutturale. Yeah. Huh? Mm -hmm. yeah? Guttural in English. Gutturale, okay. Guttural. Okay. So it's really strong. And with so the, the, after the, that's after the I and the E, right? Or yeah. before the also I? G E or G I. But if there's a U. With the U, it's a strong one. It's gutturale. It's gui. So, but we and we do say the ooh too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guiza. It's yeah. not gi. We right. we we don't jump the the u. And so we we say really. And so the ditongo. As a u. Ditong. Yeah. Yeah. 
we, we have to say, to speak as each, each um, vowel. So, guisa. O sangue. Yeah. Sangue. Sangue. Yeah. yeah. Mm? And in the same way, basically in the same way that we would with the Q-U. Genau. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. So. And we also have the case where a G in that G-L-I combination happens in the middle of words too. And that becomes a completely other can mm. of worms. Okay. If we have one one i after g l mm -hmm. it will be as a l yeah the the okay. lambda the phonetic lambda right right about <laughs> but we have some some exceptions as well because i can say we have some words in italian uh, for instance gangli ooh where g l i it's really also, G phonetically GLI, yeah, yeah, but very, very few exceptions. Yeah. Because, for instance, here the word is in voglio. It's really L. Yeah? Yeah. Foglia. Yeah? Mm hmm. Or maglia. Yeah, moglie. Moglie, yeah. Also, G L E, G L I, it's. Um, it's basically, we can say it's all the phonetic lambda. Right. So, we also have some words, we have the word cui, which we've seen several times, but we also have the word eroi, where mm -hmm. again, which again is a diphthong with a stressed syllable on that o, right? It's an open o, right? Eroi. Eroi is open. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, in, in the same way that we would say voi, although that's closed, it's very long on that o sound. It's very long on the, on the, on the o sound, yeah. But as well in cui, it's longer. It's not, it, because if if you do a, a, a small vowel on, on the u in this case, mm -hmm. and if you go straight to the i, we change the accent and we change the, we change the meaning of the word because it's cui or qui. Yeah. If I hear, if I don't read, but I hear qui, qui for me is here. Yeah. Cui per cui. For whom? Yeah, for whom? whom. So we have to stress this vowel. I love that Andrea said that about the difference between qui and cui. It's not something that I'd ever really thought about, but it's something that I've definitely stolen from him now and already used in a coaching. So be careful with that C-U-I that the U is long, cui. Otherwise, you're saying qui here instead of cui, whom. Early in the interview, we talked about the word venio. I also ran across this in a Petrarch sonnet recently that I had coached which is one reason that I specifically wanted to ask him about it. My brain immediately read it as a typo, and I couldn't find a reference to it anywhere in my dictionaries, so it seems to be something that just has to be learned and remembered. And I wanted to make this point about the GU, because as Americans we see a lot of Spanish, and as I've often said on the Diction Police, we tend to react unconsciously with what we know. I actually have a fabulous example of this from someone that I coached on Giulietta's aria Ecco Miglietta Vesta, she sang the word brillar, B-R-I-L-L-A-R, as brijar. After she'd finished singing, I said, Your family's from Puerto Rico, aren't they? And she was amazed that I recognized that. But of course she read the word with her own language first in her mind, and then spoke the word in her own accent rather than in Italian. Even more interesting is that no one had caught her mistake before that. So be really careful when you're studying your texts that you keep the correct language rules in your head. G-U in Spanish, French, and often English, if you think of words like guard, guide,
guess and guitar is generally just a phonetic G, G. But in Italian, it's phonetically GW, as in sangue and guisa, as opposed to GI or GE that we also talked about, which both appear in this text in the word giunge. André Marchiol is a freelance harpsichordist and conductor who specializes in early music through the 18th century. He's on the road most of the year. In fact, he was just in Dresden playing L'Incoronazione di Popea, after which he was headed to England for a few rehearsals with Sir Colin Davis before his next production in France. You'll hear a sort of flip a little bit between German and English and French. It does get a little confusing when you're coaching in all these different languages all the time. And of course you'll recognize our favorite word, genau, which means exactly. I had actually asked a friend to introduce me to Andrea specifically because he specializes in early music. And we started off by again discussing those accidentally doubled consonants. The explanation mm -hmm. that um, I get uh, very, very often is that singers, they want to declamate more. Yeah. So to be more, more, more clear. Yeah. Yeah? Mm -hmm. The problem is that when you want to be too clear, the, the first effect is that you anticipate the next consonant and of course it, it will sound double. So if we can speak in, in musical terms, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if we speak about beats, if the consonant come, comes on the on the on the upbeat, uh, on the upbeat, on yeah. the upbeat imperatrici. So we have imperatrici, so four four beats. Mm -hmm. If I say imperatrici, so I give just one beat. If I say Imper, so I I double the r. Yeah, you close. Impera, no? Yeah. Porpore, for instance, yeah. I'm speaking about Seneca, which is singing here. Yeah. <laughs> Le por, it comes very often. Por 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 porre. It's porpore. Has a porpore tri, uh, three three beats. Mm -hmm. But we have when it's too soon. It's por porre. And then we hear all kinds of R's in that second syllable. Yeah. Yeah. So my suggestion is just really fly to the end of the word. Mm-hmm. And even like exercise, just speaking without without the consonants. Yeah. For instance, tiranno. I mean, we have to yeah. say tiranno. Yeah. But if the consonant comes too soon, it's tiranno. Already on the air, on the upbeat, yeah. it comes to the next uh, syllable. So my suggestion, my exercise is in for Tirano, for instance, to to sing Tiano, and then give the the, the consonant a very last moment, a very like a mosquito, like uh, yeah, uh -huh. uh, yeah, mm -hmm. Tiano or Tirano or Tir, yeah, yeah, Isn't and it? especially in a word like that where the next consonant is doubled. I think it's very dangerous because those are the ones that we it's really we want to we want to double everything. Then it's very dangerous. Yeah, um, it's almost easier in a word where everything's single or where everything is doubled, like soccorso, because you can double the R in front of the S too. So soccorso yeah, is somehow easier. Yeah, 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 of course. Crudele, like that's e that's e somehow easier. Crudele. Yeah, this is easier. Yeah. Yeah. In, yeah. in Montevideo, it's much more easier to find. 
spell like orecchio. Orecchio, yeah, yeah. Or talora. Talora or tal. It's always a matter of. To be clear on, on the beat. So to understand the speed of the word. Of the word. Mm-hmm. And then even singing to respect this, this kind of pulse that we have. Yeah. So orecchio or orecchio, talora or talora. So one one possibility is to to stretch the the, the vowel before mm-hmm. of the consonant. Yeah. So long a in this case talora. Mm-hmm. And, and singing we can we can say ta and then really very short. So talora or talora or tal. Yeah. Yeah. Then you hear really stop. The consequence is as well that on singing we lose voice. So it's just for for the audience it's just a, a loch. How is uh, a hole? A, a hole. hole. Mm-hmm. So no sound. Yeah, because if you stop that sound, the sound doesn't carry off of the stage. Yeah. And since you are an expert in early music, I thought I'd ask you a little bit about recitatives and how much do we need to pay attention to the rests that they write in an recitative or is it more important to go by the punctuation by the commas and the periods or yeah we were speaking about this small uh, recital in um, area of Cleopatra from Julio Cesare so we are in Handel middle of 18th century and then uh, the uh, prologue in Orpheus 150 years difference different so yeah. it's it's already a big difference on the, on the language, on the on the librettos, on the poetry. Um, in Monteverdi, for instance, he's really very precise. Mm-hmm. So he goes with the speed of each word. So when he writes one one rest, one pausa, as a, a dramatic, uh, mm-hmm. and I I. I think it's really um, so pity to to avoid to uh, have the courage to to go in this direction. The pause sono musica se non le uccidi. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we don't have accelerando, diminuendo, rallentando. We don't have any exactly anything. A, a big, why? Because everything is it's already written. So. If we have one phrase and one recit, for instance, which goes in 16 notes, it, it means that it will be very quick. I mean, we need to take the time to speak, as a recitar cantando. Yeah. yeah? There's more, more uh, yeah. direction, speak. Right. Yeah? Yeah, so it's spoken but sung. Yeah, but spoken. Yeah. First of all, it's spoken. Yeah. So, 16 notes, it means kind of fast. Yeah. Huh? Mm-hmm. And it, it, it has to do with the emotions. Doesn't matter um, happy or sad or angry or doesn't matter quick, fast, yeah. speak. And we don't have really anything but very often after this this kind of quick uh, sections we will have sixteen, then we go to uh, eight notes and quartets and then Yeah. And then get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, it means ralentando. Yeah. It's rhythm ralentando. The, 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 the most um, hard thing for me when, when I um, began the, this, this kind of the, this repertoire is that if we respect as much as possible what is written, so we have just one pulse, big. And in this pulse we, we, can, we can 
have really everything. So Monteverdi says that what leads the emotions is the heart, so the pulse of the blood. Yeah, know? yeah. So if, if we change emotions, if we are uh, angry or sad or relaxed or excited, so our um, pulse it goes faster or slower. Right. That is, is really very interesting. In, yeah. If we if we respect this, it will be more easier to respect as well the pauses or if we speak about the the one the the, the recit from in 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 Mozart. For instance, yeah. this is totally, totally other situation. Yeah. So then we can really run through them. Fly. Yeah. yeah. But in this case, it's not not really like this. In 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 um, Handel in in 18th century, it's a quite quite different. In the 18th century, we have, for instance, accompagnatos. Yeah. So it's it's more uh, structured. Quite, structured. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, if you think about the the manuscripts in in seventeenth century, we don't have the bars. Really? No, of course not. We have a long phrase and the text. We have today. We have no each note as a syllable. Exactly. And in the in the manuscripts, we have just the the text goes through. And you had to sort of figure out where to put the words with the notes. Of course. Yeah. Of course, we have to build up really everything. So today we need no the yeah. bars. So four, four, three, four, two, four, whatever. Somebody organizes eight. it so for us. So organized, but mm -hmm. in, in, the, in that um, time it, it, it was not. So the the phrasing, it it, it was really uh, for the text, not for the for the counting. Let's yeah. Say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So today we 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 lost this kind of flexibility, and for. For the, the, the Handel period, I mean, for the 18th century, it's not so. Uh, it it should be not so precise. I mean, we are more. It's m much more light. Mm -hmm. uh, let's say the, the the this structure yeah. that we have anyhow. Yeah. No? Mm -hmm. But it's it's already organized in a way more yeah. organized. More organized in the way that we would be that we're used to it nowadays. Yeah. So while we talked a lot about the double consonants, we didn't really talk about what Giorgio had said on the last Italian episode about relaxing the consonants in early music. When I first met Andrea, I did ask him about that, and his answer was that he doesn't coach early music diction any differently than any other style. That the real problem is exactly what we discussed, that most people double all the consonants, so therefore they should always feel more relaxed. And I wanted to reiterate what Andrea said about the differences between recitative styles. In the Monteverdi style, he recommends staying very true to exactly what's written, with all of the rests in place and the rhythm of the language very specifically following what Monteverdi wrote. As we move into the 18th century with Handel, he said we can relax that a bit, ignoring a few rests here and there, just to make the text more understandable. Although, when we have a real accompagnato recit with the orchestra, we probably need to stick closer to what Handel wrote. By the time we hit Mozart, we can go much more quickly through recits, ignoring rests and making our own choices as to speed and dramatic intent to move the plot along faster. I also found it very interesting that very early opera didn't have bar lines. To our 21st century eyes, if we'd see a score without bar lines, we probably wouldn't have any idea how to even start learning it. I know I wouldn't. But if you are learning one of the Monteverdi operas, as I always suggest with every piece, start with the text. 
Once you have that solid, and before you start to learn the music, make sure that you don't skip steps three and four of learning a song, the rhythm alone, and then text in rhythm, without music. When you do this, try to ignore those manufactured bar lines and really go with the text, following along with all the things that Andrea suggested, keeping a steady beat, acknowledging the rhythm that Monteverdi wrote, and observing the rests, and see how that can inform your interpretation. That's our show for today. If you'd like to know more about Andrea Marchiol, or if you have any questions or comments for me, Ellen Rissinger, please visit the blog at www.thedictionpolice.com. And if you enjoy the podcast, please go to iTunes and give it a high rating so that others can find it and benefit from it. Next weekend, I'll be in the U.S. for a family function, so we'll be back in two weeks discussing German diction. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.